when we embrace soul care, when we make the health of our soul the most important thing in our lives, that's us putting, putting our roots down into the gospel. What is the fruit of the gospel? Well, conveniently, the Bible gives us a whole list. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And then all the ways those things play out. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. That looks like not feeling enslaved to your appetite. The, the fruit of the Spirit is patient. That means looking at your kids with genuine hospitality and patience, not being like, I have to be patient with them. That's a miracle, y'all. Moms know what I'm talking about. But this is how it plays out. We're going to talk about how this happens, how the, our soul care roots can grow down deep into the gospel and give us this fruit that we want to see. My first point is that soul care roots us in our true identity. Soul care roots us in our true identity. All of us are asking the question, who am I in some, some form? You can, you can fight me on that, and maybe you're the only one that doesn't, but there's lots of ways we ask this question. Who am I? Am I safe? Am I worth loving? Will everything be okay? Where, where do I fit in in all of this? These are deep soul questions that oftentimes we don't actually ask out loud or even cognitively, cognitively in our heads do we, do we ask them. But these are root questions that grow down looking for answers. Who am I? How am I doing in life? Am I lovable? And whatever these root questions grow down into... It determines the quality of our lives and our relationships, the extent to which we experience joy. So, for example, if your answer to the root question is that you're, of who am I, is who am I? I am a mom. Then a fruit you might see is a stale marriage because there's just not much left over for a meaningful relationship with your husband. And if we deal with the fruit, then we're going to read Fireproof, and we're going to set a plan to do date nights, and we're going to do all this stuff to deal with the fruit of a stale marriage. But I would guess that we'll just fall right back in to mom mode, and the marriage will drift away again because we deal with the fruit and not the root. If your answer is, how am I doing, to, the, to that root question is, oh, how much money am I making? How am I doing? I'll know by how much money I make how well I'm advancing in my career, then you might see the fruit of anxiety and overwork in your life. You might try to take some meds for your anxiety or go on a vacation or whatever, but that's dealing with the, the fruit and not the root. That sole question, how am I doing? Well, let me look at my bank account. These soul root questions, when we prioritize the health of our soul, we we're able to let these root questions grow down into the gospel instead of these other things. Jesus shows us that. Look in our sermon text here in Mark 1, verses 9 through 11. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And when he came out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the sun and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. Do you see how God is answering those root questions? Who am I? You're my son. 
Am I lovable? You're my beloved son. How am I doing? I'm pleased with you. See how God, in his relationship with Jesus, the son, is speaking to these identity questions. It's important to note that this is before Jesus had done any ministry, any miracles, before he was tempted. This is after Jesus lived a normal human life for 30 years as a carpenter in a small town. God looks at him as his perfect son and says, I love you, you're my son, and I'm pleased with you. In the gospel, we become the righteousness of Christ. We get dressed in Jesus' righteousness. Whatever standing Jesus has with God the Father, those of us who are in Christ, we have that same standing. This is mind-blowing if, if we can actually chew on it long enough. The reality of grace that we're dressed in Jesus' righteousness. What that means, fam, is that right now, not a future version of you, right now, in Christ, you are God's child. You are God's beloved, and he's pleased with you. The fruit of soul care is that we become grounded and rooted in who we are. This blessing that God the Father speaks over Jesus is true of us. I wish I had words to describe the overwhelming flood of joy that comes from having a son, John. And that's just his existence, let alone when he hears my voice and turns and smiles at me. It's like this tangible, palpable energy of joy that comes up. Why would God design the human experience to be like that? Why is child care that way? Or having a child that way? Could it be that he wants us to have just a little taste of the delight that he feels towards us in Christ? I, if you're like me, you, you have no framework for that. The, the, the joy and delight that we feel that just comes from deep down in our gut to imagine God having that towards us right now, not the future me when I lose weight or evangelize a bunch of people, but right now, is uncomfortable. No, I need to work hard. I need to be needed. Others need to know that I will help them. I need, to, I need others to tell me I'm lovable. I need my kids to validate my place in the world. Do you see how the gospel speaks to these root questions? Who am I? I am God's child. Am I lovable? I am God's beloved. How am I doing? He's pleased with me. The Apostle Paul, we see this elsewhere in Scripture. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 3, 14 through 19, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may, be, have, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. In the context of Ephesians, Paul just got done writing two chapters that are loaded with rich, glorious gospel doctrine, truth of what the gospel is, who God is, what he's done. And then here in chapter 3, what does Paul do? He prays, he pleads with the church in Ephesus that they would 
live in the reality of that gospel. That all of that doctrine he just got done explaining would be their reality. That they'd be grounded in it, rooted in it, strengthened in their inner man with their identity in the gospel. Soul care roots us in our identity as children of God. We give space for soul care. We give space for the Holy Spirit to, to do the work of making the reality of the gospel the same reality that we're living in. In this broken world, there's tons of things that are trying to define us, our job, our money, our kids, our looks, our reputation. And we can get sucked into that vortex. But in soul care, we can stop. We can consider our root identity, these root questions. And pray the Holy Spirit would grow them down deep into the gospel. If how I'm doing is contingent on my job, and my job is awful or I'm failing at it, then I might begin to see the fruit of apathy or depression or just self-medicating with food or alcohol. Again, the answer isn't try to pluck off this fruit. It's to look at the root question in my soul. How am I doing? It's not being answered by God's benediction that he's pleased with me in Christ. What I want us to see here is that the sin behind the sin of apathy or pornography or gluttony is not believing the gospel. Of looking at God's words here, this is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased, and saying, I don't believe you. Who am I? A child of God. Does anyone care about me? God loves me to death, even death on a cross. How am I doing? He's pleased with me in Christ. Now, whenever you talk about soul care, there typically are two, two objections. That just is so lazy and selfish. Well, we saw last week that if it's lazy, then Jesus was lazy because we see him often leaving needs and going to care for his soul. If it's lazy, I challenge you this week, spend an hour in silent prayer, just being present to God and your soul and what you're thinking and feeling. And tell me if you feel lazy afterwards. It's one of the hardest things we can do as, as humans. All the crazy, all the stress, all the fear bubbles up when we give it space. And we need that so that we can cast those cares on God. And in regard to the selfish, selfish part, let's consider Jesus' rhythm here. All the time, we read a whole slew of verses last week of him going in, into the wilderness to be with God. But he never stays there. That brings me to my next point. Soul care roots us in our mission. Jesus shows us how to live. He shows us the complementary rhythms of soul care. Getting away, retreating, communing with God, and engaging with the broken world. Look in, look in our sermon text here, Mark 1, verses uh, 35 through 39. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, 
Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus leaves desperate, needy people who, who need healing. He left them to go be alone with God to satisfy his soul with him. And then when his disciples come to suck him back into the vortex of other people's needs, he says, no, I must preach in the next town. That is why I'm here. That is my mission. My mission is not just to heal everybody in this town and live as the super popular king of this little town. It's to go elsewhere, to preach elsewhere. Do you see that rootedness in Jesus' clarity of his mission? Do you ever feel like a dog in a park where there's people to sniff and other dogs to play with and a pond to jump in and the dog runs around like crazy? Sometimes life feels like that. There's so many things, so many good things, so many viable, valuable causes vie for our attention, our effort, our money. But as we see Jesus demonstrate here, a need is not the same as a call. Selah. A need is not the same as a call. There were needs, but Jesus' call, his mission, was to preach the gospel. And the way he was able to be clear about that is that he got away. He communed with his heavenly Father. By prioritizing the health of his soul, Jesus was able to be rooted in his identity as God's Son, And from that place of security and who he is as God's son, he was able to be rooted in his mission and confidently live it out. When we are rooted in who we are, then we experience freedom from the pressure to be who we think we should be or who others tell us to be. Instead, we live into who God made us to be. And this grounds us, roots us in our mission. When we're rooted in our identity and who we are as God's children, then we experience freedom from that ticker in the back of our head saying who we should be. We're not vulnerable to people telling telling us who we should be. Who were we made to be? The most true thing is God's children, those beloved children. Now you gotta be careful because we're Americans that this is not an excuse to go do whatever you want to do, whatever seems right to me. No, it's a, it's a call to get with God and consider who he's made you to be. We love individuality in our culture. What's right for me is right for me. You just do you. But that's not what I'm saying. Within the truth that we are God's children means that we are in God's house. And just like the kids in your house, they are under authority. In God's family, we are the children, not the adults. We don't make the big decisions. But instead, as healthy souls, we become like trusting children, and we trust God, and we say okay to what he calls us to. We joyfully submit to him because we know that we are his beloved, that he's pleased with us. And so what we see in in God's family as his children, there's some just basic structure that we're all called to, that we're free to say no to other stuff in order to live this out. 
We're called to be in a, do life together in a local church as, as part of God's family together and serving and giving and sharing and repenting and celebrating. He calls us to, to serve our, our brothers and sisters, to be servants the way Jesus was, and serve our community. There's this episode of The Office, the TV show, where Pam, the secretary, gets really bent out of shape about how gross the microwave is. For some reason, I just love this episode. And so she tries to make a cleaning schedule and get everybody to sign up on their week to clean the microwave. And of course, nobody does it. Nobody cares but Pam. And she gets really mad. But what, what if we were set free from our piercing sense of justice that we should all help out with cleaning the microwave, and as Christians, we just cleaned the microwave. We, we, that's just our service to our coworkers, whether they noticed or not. He calls us to be released into the world, sent out as ministers of reconciliation, as witnesses to, to testify to the goodness of the gospel, show how glorious it is to be rooted in the gospel, call others to be rooted in the same, same gospel. Our identity as God's children roots us in these identities as, as, as family, as servants, as witnesses, how we, how we live out these identities, how we live out the structure is where we start to live out our uniqueness. For example, you probably don't want me planning our potlucks. There would be a crock pot, a pulled pork, and some mayonnaise. And I would forget plates and forks and napkins. So we, we all have different ways that we live out our family identity. But it's within the authority of God. Unless this sounds overwhelming, like, oh my gosh, I got to go do all this stuff. I got to live into my identity on top of everything I'm doing. Being rooted in our mission doesn't mean we have to add a ton of new spiritual activities. And Jesus shows us this in our sermon text. It means doing the same activities with gospel intentionality. So cleaning the office microwave can be an act of service. We, Jesus cleaned the microwave of our souls. So by dying on the cross, so we can clean out the, the microwave of the office. How's that for gospel fluency, y'all? We can clean literal microwaves. Soul care roots us in our mission in everyday life. Consider the story here that we've been looking at. It starts in verse 21, where we, it was church day. It was the Sabbath, so Jesus goes to church. Totally normal. Then they went to Simon and Andrew's house to eat and sleep. Totally normal. Then Jesus woke up early and went into the woods to pray. Totally normal. And then he goes back to work, which meant a very long walk to the next town. There's nothing super crazy spiritual about what Jesus is doing here. He's just doing it as a son of God, rooted in his, in his identity and his mission. Just imagine for a minute... What, what would you do if you knew who you were and your identity as God's son or daughter was real to you? What would you do if you knew you were good enough and you were safe? If the threat of failure or even death held no sway over your life and your soul, what would you do? If the desire to impress people or be applauded was completely satisfied by your father's words of delight, 
what would you do? When our souls are healthy, our mission will be healthy too. When soul care roots us in our identity and our mission, then we're freed from all this wasted time. On proving ourselves, on seeking security, on pleasing people, and we're, our, our eyes are open to all the places and people God has put us and put around us to reach with the gospel, which is my, my last point. Roots bring healthy fruit. When we're rooted and grounded in the mission of God as an extension of our identity, then we participate in mission in healthy ways. This, this is a protector point from all those where the fruit of the ministry takes precedent and while our souls dry out. So just consider some of these characteristics of healthy fruit. First, we're open to interruptions. It's mind-blowing how Jesus, the God of the universe, who knows everything, will be walking upon the earth, going about somewhere, going to see someone, and he gets interrupted. We see that in our passage. He tries to go get some food, and the mother-in-law is sick. He tries to go to church, and he casts out a demon. It wasn't on the agenda, but we see for Jesus, there's no difference between people and the mission. People are the mission. Seeing them transformed in Jesus. Healthy mission is never bigger than real people and the real problems. As people and problems interrupt, he receives them with love and patience. So if problems feel like an interruption to us, then we should check our roots. We might be missing something. I feel like I just need to testify to just a, a, a beautiful thing about being a pastor. Like one of my favorite things, and this sound, might sound a little weird, my favorite things is when a church member calls me or contacts me because they're going through something really hard and they're, they're having issues and need help. Or maybe, they just, maybe there's nothing I can do to actually help with the problem. They, just, they want me around them. I can't tell you how much that delights me. Because God in his, in his grace has helped me see that as the, the joyful work of, of being a pastor, of being with covenant members as they go through life. And so often it gives me this deep sense of gratitude that God is with us, that he's working in our church and in our lives. When stuff happens, when things blow up, most of the time that's God saying, I love you. I don't want it to stay the same. I want you to experience me more. And just one of the glorious things of being a pastor is I get to be there in those situations. Even though there's tears, even though it hurts. Healthy missions, healthy missions means that we can say no. So Jesus receives the interruptions, but he also says no. He doesn't say yes to every interruption. He knew when he needed to say no and when he needed to move on. It's a little bit of a paradox. He was open to stuff and he was closed to stuff. But he knew that it was possible for the mission to become personally destructive. Isn't that crazy? That we could destroy ourselves trying to serve God. I mean, human history, church history is full of people, so I don't feel like I need to defend that point too much. But all those pastors and ministry leaders who get, you know, get caught with cocaine or whatever, they, how, where is the breakdown between mission and, and soul health? When the mission makes it hard to believe that God loves us, that he's for us and delights in us, 
then there's probably something wrong with our mission. That's not from God. Because here's the kicker. You also are God's mission. God's mission was not just to get you stamped and into the kingdom. His mission continues in our hearts and souls. He wants to work in us as he works through us. So when we're rooted in God's love, our yes and no become clear. We don't serve to gain approval. We serve from a place of honesty and authenticity. Next, healthy mission, I love this paradox, has calm urgency. Do you see the beautiful contrast in Jesus' ministry here? He's calm in the sense that he can get up and just go spend hours in communion with God his Father. And on the other hand, he's like, but we must go elsewhere and preach the gospel there now. It's a beautiful tension. The mission is important, but Jesus is never in a hurry. He's never frazzled. He's never hectic. He never panics. As we consider the roots of our church, one of the big ones is connecting with their community. For years, this has been missing in our church family. And so there's some urgency there. Now is the time to do it. Now is the time to be what God put the church on the earth to do. But we don't panic. Instead, we proactively engage by eating with our neighbors. Or explore ways to meet needs at the local elementary school. We plan block parties to bring people together and show that the gospel causes us to celebrate. So we throw great parties. And lastly, this is huge in our flighty culture. Healthy mission looks like steadfast commitment. Investing in your own soul won't make life easy. But the goodness of being rooted in who we are in Christ is that his burden is light. Life is painful, but Jesus came to heal wounds. Life is exhausting, but Jesus came to give us rest. So when our souls are healthy, we're rooted and grounded in God's love for enduring mission. We're strengthened in our inner being for enduring mission. Healthy mission means a steadfast commitment. We don't participate just when we feel like it. We don't go off to somewhere where cooler, flashier things are happening. The posture of a healthy soul is that we're rooted in joyful, long obedience in the same direction. Just like a tree producing fruit in season... It doesn't pick up and go somewhere else because times is hard. It's faithful and produces fruit where it's planted through good and bad. So family, let's look, at, let's look at Jesus. At the cross, as he was nailed to the tree, we see that trusting God our Father as his child is worth it, even at the greatest expense. We see in Jesus our identity empowers us to look fear and even death in the face and stay faithful. In Jesus' empty tomb, we see fear of death has been completely wiped away. In Jesus, we learn what God thinks of us. We have our answer forevermore. He delights in us and he's well-pleased. And now we're invited to join him on mission to fill the whole world with this. So what part will you play, church? How is God inviting you to join the mission this morning? 
Because we will not be a church that seeks to manipulate or use guilt. We won't be a church that seeks to do the next flashy, spectacular thing. But by the grace of God, we'll be a church that's rooted and grounded in God's love for us. A church that's eager to share that same love with others. Everyone has a part to play. So let's root ourselves in God's love and join him in his mission. Let me pray.